Good morning. Hey, you're getting better at that. That's good. One of my memories as a kid in elementary and middle school was gym class. Now, for a young boy, gym class is the highlight of the day or the week, depending on how often you have gym class. Because all the rest of the time, except for recess, but any other class, you have to sit behind a desk, you have to hear somebody lecture you, you have to do papers, homework, whatever, and that's just really, really difficult for someone with, that is a ball of energy at that age. And so when gym class comes, is you cannot wait. You cannot wait to get in there. And there were those few special occasions where those things that you only got to do once or maybe twice a year, things like the trampoline. They didn't pull the trampoline out every week. It was only on once, maybe twice a year. Then there was the parachute, which was just as exciting as you run up and you flip it up and all those good things. And then there was dodgeball. Now, I know for students today, and my kids play dodgeball all the time at school, it seems like, but it, back in the day, it didn't, it's not something we played all the time. So those three are just a few examples of the gym class that was at the top of the list, and not only did you get to go run and scream and play all the things you could not do in a normal classroom legally, uh, is that they were so much fun. But I also have a memory of those particular days because after you got ready for gym class, you could not wait. You just couldn't wait. And then there was the dreaded talk. And so you were just busting at the seams. You couldn't wait to get out on the floor. And the the gym teacher had to sit you down and they had to go over all the instructions. That's the last thing we wanted to hear was instructions. Yeah, somebody got hurt, who cares? They need to learn how to do it, you know? Let's just get out there and get going. But the, the, the gym teacher doing what they are supposed to do, they're educating us on what, what to do, what not to do, boundaries, all that good stuff. But as a kid, you were just sitting there, and it's like, oh. And, and it lasted maybe five minutes, and it felt like a half hour. And to a young kid, half hour is eternity. And so you sat there, and you just waited, and you waited, and it's like, come on, come on, come on, come on, and because and, you had already eyed out uh, the, the, the color of the parachute that you wanted, you know, the, the, the pie-shaped section, you already eyed that out, and you were going to box out till you got there, all those kind of things, but you had to listen to all the instructions. It was horrible. I thought about that this week, because I was thinking about applying the Bible, and I think what's really interesting for most Christ followers who love the Lord, who seek to worship Him and follow them with all of their heart, is that sometimes it's the opposite of gym class. We want to spend more and more time studying. We want to spend more and more time. Yeah, tell us more. We want to know the background. We want to, we want to know who this audience is and, and all of those things. And all that stuff's really, really good but we're really hesitant to take it and live it. Now, I don't say that because none of you are doing that. I believe you are. But isn't it true that if somebody says, hey, do you want to come into a Bible study or one another group, or do you want to live the Word out in your life? We 
tend to want to go to the Bible study. We tend to want to go to the small group or come to worship and hear the pastor teach and preach. And again, I'm not knocking those things. We need those things in our lives. And as we'll find out today, they're crucial for us to get to the point of applying the Bible. But I think so often, unlike gym class, where we could not wait to get out on the floor, is that in our Christian walks, often we are so hesitant to do it. And the question that is before us is, why? Because I really, truly believe that we want to, but we're scared. We're scared of failure. Perhaps there's insecurities. There's people watching. And we're just not sure how to do it. I think when it's one of the hardest things that you will ever do in your life is to live out God's Word. All these other things that we do in life, we learn and we build upon, but this one takes time. It takes energy and effort. It's not something that, that we just read it and say, okay, let's go, and we go do it. it. It takes practice. It takes time to understand Scripture, to understand how that really applies to our life. And it's a process of trial and error at times, all the while resting in God's grace. And I'll say this multiple times today. This message is not about works righteousness. This is not about us earning our way to heaven. So, so click that in right away. But it is about maturity. The challenge of every pastor in every church across the entire United States of America and the world, the challenge for us individually and the challenge for our congregations is not more Bible studies, It's applying the Word. Because that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where our maturity either displays itself or is absent. Now, I will admit from the very beginning that I don't have this thing all figured out in terms of applying the Bible. It's a lifetime process that we have to go through. This is not about making you feel bad today for not applying Scripture to your life. The reality of us, the reality is, is that in some ways we do that well, in some ways we don't. But I want us to be a people. I want us to be a church that one of the things that people recognize is not that we have 30 Bible studies offered, is not that we have 50-some groups or whatever it could be eventually of one another small groups. I want those things in this church. But what I want to see more than anything are mature believers who are living out the truth in their lives, in their workplaces, in their homes, and everywhere they go. But church, that's going to take some work because it's hard. It's hard to do. But it is the sign of maturity. It is the, it is the bearing of fruit of Christ in us, and it will be effective as we reach people. Sometimes I think we misunderstand that, that we just need to open the Bible and, and share the gospel uh, from a particular um, um, gospel, John, Mark, Luke, whatever. That's good and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. What people want more than anything is they don't want to read the Word, they want to see the Word lived. That's what they want. That's what they need. That's what we needed, wasn't it? When we, for those of you who know Christ, that's what drew you to Christ. 
Now, I don't say any of that because I don't think the Bible's not important. My goodness, that's what we've been talking about, isn't it? But the whole purpose of all this stuff, Matt talked about meditation, Josh talked about the Trinity and how that comes out through the Bible and God revealing himself. Last week we talked more and more about how we should look at God's word. All of that is foundational, but it's for the purpose of us living it. And so today is going to be a very practical sermon. Those of you who like to take notes, you're going to rock it out on this one. I just know it. Because today is the very practical, how do I apply the Bible to my life? How do I do it? I'm trying, but I'm not just really sure that I'm being effective in it. It's not about measuring us up. It's about all of us taking a step and taking a step toward God. And so I want to share a few things with us today because I know we all struggle with this in different areas of our life. So let's jump in. We're going to talk about building the habit of applying God's Word. And we're going to spend the majority of our time back in Psalm 119. How many of you did your homework this week? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you probably didn't do it. Okay? All right. few of you aren't ashamed. That's good. All right. Um, If you didn't do it this week, and that is to read Psalm 119, the good news is that you have an extension on the deadline. So you can read it again this week. In fact, if you read it last week, read it again. It's the longest chapter of the Bible. But again, what we know and we believe is that someone like the prophet Ezra or perhaps even Daniel wrote this uh, particular psalm. And what we are, are catching out of this and what we will see out of this is a deep love for God's Word. But it doesn't end with just knowing it. We're going to see a, a person who seeks to live it out and actually is committed to do that. And so you say, well, Dan, where do we start? Where, you know, there's so much scripture, there, there's so many things, that, so much truth we can apply to our lives. Where do we start? This should be of no surprise to you. You start on your knees. You start by praying. Last year, we, we, we spent this great focus in a season of prayer. I have heard specific stories, and perhaps you have too, of people in this congregation where God said to them, it's time for you to walk away from this this area in your life in terms of what you're doing, and you're to step, and you're to live this way. I've heard very specific stories about people saying that way of life is no longer acceptable in my eyes because it's not acceptable in God's eyes. And so they've taken steps, not perfectly, but they've taken steps. I absolutely believe that application starts with seeking God in prayer. That's what Scripture teaches us. And here's why. Here's why this is so important. We see in Psalm 119 over and over this this man pouring his heart out. And he does things like he shares about his wants and his longings and even his failures. But then he petitions God. He says, God, I need this. God, do this for me. If you look in verse 10 of Psalm 119, and I believe I hit on this last week, He says, I seek you with all my heart. And then a little bit later in another verse, he uses the words, open my eyes. What this man wants is to honor and worship God. That's the purpose of living out Scripture. Not so that we can compare ourselves, not so that we can pat ourselves on the back. No, we do it so God gets the glory. Because when he gets the glory, his kingdom is expanded and people come to know him. 
And so prayer is the first place, the only place that we can start with application. It is so easy to say, I just want to get out on the floor. I just want to get out and do. It will never be sustainable. You will never be effective long term if you start by doing and not start by praying. And it's not a single step. It's something that is absolutely woven through every aspect of this. While there's, there's some aspects of what I will share today that there's somewhat of a, a process here and a step-by-step, prayer must weave through every part of your application of God's Word. But it's got to start there especially. And here's the other reason why prayer is important. It's going to fight the battle for you. You are going to be in a battle. The moment you make known, either in your own heart and mind or to God or to others, that you are trying to apply the Bible, watch out. Now, doesn't that make you want to jump into this? No, that's one of the reasons we don't. Because we don't feel strong enough to face the enemy. Guess what? You don't have to do it. That's why we have Christ in us. And He has promised us, God has promised us, the Holy Spirit has promised us in His Scriptures that He has already overcome and He will fight any battle that you face as long as you turn to Him and trust Him and say, God, this one's yours. But my friends, Satan hates when we start to apply apply the Bible to our life. What Satan wants is for us to continue to get in our holy huddles and study every, every, every book in the Bible to memorize Scripture up and back. He is fine if we do that and do nothing with it. We can't be okay with that. We can never be satisfied with that. And again, those things all have a place in our lives. This is not an excuse not to do those things. Because as we'll talk about in a minute, you need that if you really want to apply God's Word to your life. But as soon as you get serious about making changes in your life, Satan's going to be knocking. He's going to to try to distract you. He's going to try to discourage you. He will try to defeat you. If you have not accepted Christ into your heart, if you are experimenting or exploring what this whole Jesus thing is about, Let me tell you, you will never be able to apply God's Word into your life until you have said, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And I pray that today, that the point of this message will be for you, that if you've not done that, is that that is your step today. That is your step to say, Jesus, I need you to take over my life. Because then and only then will He fight those spiritual battles for you. But oh, He will do it. And oh, he's ready to do it. So we got to pray. We got to pray before anything else. But there's a point we have to move beyond prayer. Not because we stop it, but there's another, another step to take. And that is this to take a truthful look at your life. Take a truthful look at your life. It takes time. But here's the key, I think. The key is often we already have an idea. If you're at all self-aware, you have a little bit of idea of some, some chinks in the armor, some things that you need to be working on in your life, perhaps stuff God has already revealed to you. But sometimes we think we have it all figured out. 
about what those things are. Let me give you an example. I was in Pastor Josh's office the other day, and I was asking him for a book that um, was a book that I used in youth ministry, had gotten, and had just passed it on to him when he became youth pastor, and I just said, hey, I'm looking for this book. Um, do you have it? And I asked him, and I was already looking on his shelves, but he joined me, and so we're, we're looking through. In my mind, it was a red book. I don't remember if that's really true or not, but as a, as a man, as being visual, it's, I was looking for a red book, and so I'm like, oh, it wasn't there. And then I think I even said to Josh, I think it's red, but you know what, maybe I need to look again because it may not be. The point is, is I know when I look for something and I have an idea what it looks like, that I am honed in exactly on that, even if it's wrong. And if I don't see that, then I say, okay. Well, then it must not be there. We didn't find the book, by the way. We're not sure where it's at, but it's okay. But the point is, is to really look truthfully into your life. Don't just scan it. Don't just take something at first glance. Because what God may want to be doing in you is to work on something else, not just that. Or perhaps that's not the most important. And that takes humility, church. It takes humility for us to do that. But we should seek to see our life for what it demonstrates. Now, you don't have to go and advertise this to everybody. This is between you and the Lord. But look and see, because when we do that, there are no excuses. Look beyond your insecurities or your fears and say, God, help me. Look at verse 34, Psalm 119.34. The psalmist gets to the heart of this, and he starts by examining his heart. Again, the easy thing to do is just to say, oh, well, this action, I'm not, this behavior of mine is not good. If you just simply want to modify behavior, then it will not be lasting. Look at this in verse um, 34 of Psalm 119. He says, give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. See, something the psalmist understood, you can see it throughout Scripture, is that, and, and uh, Kelly, the director of children's ministries and, and the leadership team for children's ministry talked about this uh, the other week when they were up here on the platform. If all we are trying to do in applying Scripture in our lives is simply to, be, to modify our behavior, it will not last. And more importantly, it will not be effective for the kingdom. What we have to go after, and this is what we have to look at, is we have to look at our heart. If you keep saying something and, and, you, and you identify situations where, you know what, I opened my mouth again and I shouldn't have. Now, you can keep looking at circumstances, but that will never really tell you the truth of what's going on. What you've got to do is go to the heart. Well, the reason I spoke up in that one situation is because that person ticked me off last week and I had to get my word in because I didn't last week. That's a heart issue. And when we start looking at heart issues, church, that's where we can begin to fully apply the truth of God. If we just want to change behavior, you can do that a whole lot of other ways. But it won't last. And must I say, or I will say, God will not honor it. It'll be foolish. And so look at your heart. And look to change and transform your heart. Because that's where application will stick. 
But then also look at your actions as you take a truthful look. Look at verse 59 of uh, Psalm 119. We're still there. Just look at the beginning, because we'll look at the end in a minute. Is he says, I have considered my ways. Now, he talks about this in multiple ways through this. But to consider means to step back, to reflect, maybe meditate, and just give yourself time to think about, about your actions and things that are going on in your life. The reality is, is that takes time. It takes time to do. And in our hectic pace of life, and we all have it, it's just in different forms, in our hectic pace of life, there's usually not room for it. One of my challenges to you today in taking a truthful look at your life is create some margin in your life. Create some space. Maybe you can do that on a daily basis. Maybe it's a weekly basis or an every other day. Don't make it too, too long apart, but make some time. Find some time. And yes, that means that you're going to have to make choices. But make choices to give yourself some margin. One of the habits that I've developed, and I'm not proud of it, but um, I think it's probably true of a lot of people that have mobile phones. Now, let me just say, technology is great. I love it. There's a lot of really good things it's for. But it's built in me a habit that um, actually takes up that space in my life. I'll go home from being here at the office, and I'll go home, and I'll sit down in my chair. And the first, one of the first things I, I will likely do, if I haven't done it already, is I will pick up my phone, and I'll start checking out the news. Okay, what's going on in the world that I missed today? Or I may walk over, you know, flip over to Facebook and, and look at it a little bit. And before you know it, I've blown maybe 15, 20 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, something like that. And, and my thought process a lot of times is, oh, it's just been a long day. I just need to kind of sit and, and just, you know, just look at this. It's not bad to look at it. But what I've realized in my life that's become a habit, that takes a lot of time. That consumes a lot of my time. Now, I'm not saying get rid of it necessarily, but again, we have to be very intentional about creating margin in our life. My kids will tell you, I have told them this over and over, and they are so sick of hearing it, just because you have nothing to do doesn't mean you have to schedule something to do. But you know what? I'm guilty of that too. But create that margin to step back, maybe to even be alone and, and, and young moms and dads, I know this is incredibly difficult. But, but ask God to help you find some time for that. And, and to look at your life. 1 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. This one's on the screen. This is a great reminder to us. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in it, in it because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So that's some encouragement to stay at it. But it's also a reminder, we have to watch it. If you do not watch your life and your doctrine closely, guess what? The culture will get a hold of it, and you will be going with them in everything. Don't be numb to it and just let it happen. Because the ending result is not good. And that doesn't mean everything in culture is horrible. It doesn't mean everything in our society uh, we must stand against. No, what it means is that we're doing that with sound minds and making choices and not just letting it be something that happens to us, but that we allow it in in order to honor God. And I think one of the really key truths with this is that share this with somebody as you look. 
Find somebody who loves you, who knows the Lord, that you can share honestly about how you're trying to take a truthful look at your life. It's the hardest question in the world to go up to somebody you know and love and say, can you tell me about this area of my life? What do you see? That's hard to do. Because even though we say we want to hear, we like to hear it when it's good. Sometimes we're not willing to risk relationships because of that, are we? Be mature. Trust in the Lord. And if somebody will tell you that in an honest, loving way, trust that they're doing it for your best, not to take you down. And so if, as we pray, as we look at, take a truthful look at our life, I believe the next thing is... is I decided to make it a separate, a distinguishable thing because I think it's crucial. And it is to set your mind on truth. It sounds like an automatic, but I think here is what is key about it. If you read Psalm 119, over and over and over again, the psalmist says things like, I will remember, I will keep, I will follow. He is making commitments right and left to God about what he's going to do. Now, he's also practicing it, and we see that in the Scripture. But he's making these commitments. And what I love about this is he is, he is being resolute. He is setting his mind on what he wants to apply to his life. And it is the Word of God. He speaks of it very generally, but we can take that specifically, and we should. The old, well, let's just see how it goes, does not work. It does not work. There's too much in our lives that come crashing in. Well, let me, let me just see how it works out. I'd kind of like to do it, but I'm not sure if it'll work out. You see, when we make a commitment to God, what we do is we say to God is that I'm going to make a pledge to you. I'm going to make a promise to you. God never disappoints us if we rely on Him for that, if we trust Him for that. God will never disappoint us in that. Sometimes we don't want to make the commitment because we really are, our heart's not in it. And so this is not about going out and making a gazillion commitments, church. This is about starting by taking one step. It's about starting and saying, after you've prayed, after you've taken a truthful look at your life, to set your mind on truth. I'm reading a book right now by uh, Every Man's Ministries, which is uh, Kenny Luck wrote it, um, and um, the they, um, this ministry wrote um, like every young man's battle uh, and, and those, those uh, series of books. Well, this one's called Every Man's God's Man. And um, what I love about this book, and men, I would encourage you to pick this up. It's a great read. I'm about halfway through it. And, and this book is very specific about calling out truth in your life. So if you see an image that you shouldn't be looking at is that Kenny says, you need to go right away to Scripture, and you need to know in your mind and decide your mind, that is a lie. What I see right there will not do anything for me but tear me apart and destroy me and my family. And he talks about even saying those things out loud. Now, maybe that's something you like to do. Maybe it's something where you write it out. But we have to know the truth. And so many times, sin starts when we start believing that what is sinful could be okay. 
yeah, that apple from that tree, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it is. And so we got to set our mind on truth. Look at verse 11. You guys know this when I looked at it. We looked at it last week. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is where all that Bible study comes in. This is where learning God's word, studying God's word comes in. We have, we have to get it in. We have to pour it in there. It's good to memorize scripture. And I know it's hard to do all that, but, but practice that. Find ways to do that and know truth. And whether that's taking a passage of scripture and putting on the dashboard of your car or in a mirror that you look at every morning. Nobody's measuring how many verses you have memorized. That's not the point. But sometimes the, the very reason that we should practice that spiritual discipline is because it builds in our heart and our minds truth. And goodness knows we get enough junk every day. And that never stops, right? It's around us everywhere. And so we've got to continue to pour in and set our mind on truth. And so finally that leads us to the point of doing something. And again, let me just say, the tendency is to say, well, let's just get out there and go get them. Let's get on the floor and, and, and just, just see what happens. You will be discouraged, distracted, all of those things if you don't follow praying, taking a truthful look and really seeing what's going on in your life and then setting your mind on truth. But then you're ready. And I tell you, I struggled with this in working this message because I struggled with, oh man, do we want to give them so many things they got to go through just to get the point to apply God's Bible, the Word? If you want it to last, yeah. And it's a process. It's something that we need to engage in regularly. But then there's that point where we have to act. There's that point that one more Bible study isn't going to help aside from the fact of giving you a kick in the rear and saying, get out on the floor. Try to apply that passage of Scripture or that particular theological truth to your life. And don't tell me you don't know them. You do. You may only know one, but you know it. Don't doubt yourself. You are God's people. And don't let the world convince you that you are this puny little thing that cannot do anything. No, you are God's people. And God has empowered you to take that step of obedience. Don't you wait on me. Don't you wait on the pastors or the leaders of this church. You do it. Because that's what God's called you to do. And I'll tell you, I'll be right there cheering you on and celebrating. But we have to take that step. And that's the point. It's a step. If you want to get over there, you don't have to jump over there in one step. Most of the time, no matter how stinking athletic you are, you're not going to get there in one step. One at a time. And sometimes it's so little that nobody notices but God. He's the only one that matters. He's our audience of one. Because none of this is about comparing ourselves to other people. But we take one step. And then we take another step. And then maybe sometimes we take a half step back. But we're not giving up. We're persevering. And we're practicing how to apply God's word to our life. The challenge for us in doing Bible study is that we make it applicable. 
I get comments all the time for people to say, well, Dan, that was a great message, but you really didn't apply it. You know why I don't always give an application? Because I want you to figure it out. I want you to understand how that truth, not that the truth changes, but how that specifically plays itself out in its life. Because I know you're capable of it. I know you can do it. And sometimes we got to stop spoon feeding. Sometimes it's your turn to get out on the floor. And so I want you to know I am behind you. Your pastors are behind you. Your elders are behind you. And we're doing the same thing. We are seeking to get out there. Look at the last part of verse 59 into 60. After the psalmist says, I've considered my ways, then he says this, and have turned my steps to your statutes. I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands. I love that. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to wait around anymore. I'm, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to get out on the floor. He looked at his life. He saw that there were things amiss. He saw that there were changes that needed to happen that only God could make happen. But he had to be obedient. And so he jumped into it and he turned. The idea in this text that he repented, which actually is turning. We've talked about that. The point is, is God has given us this word to change our lives, to transform us so that we can effectively help him build his kingdom. Pastor Josh, this last year, um, changed something that I had done for a lot of years. Can you believe that? It was actually a great thing. He talked to me about it, and I was so excited to hear about it. Senior high have done small groups for quite a few years, something that we started quite a few years ago. And he came to me and he said, Dan, um, I, I, I really want to see this change. I want to see with these high schoolers, I want it to be something, become something that is more active. And so what he did is he restructured it and he calls them doer groups. And they meet during the school year and they meet on Wednesday nights in addition to big group on Sunday nights. And the doer groups are based off a passage of Scripture in James, which we'll look at in a minute. And it's all about doing the Word. And, and one of Josh's passions that you've probably already heard, and I, it's just so encouraging and it's lit a fire under me, is that we have to be people that are doers of the Word, not just Bible study geeks, as fun as that may be. And so what they do is they be, meet at the beginning of the, the first week of the month, and they, they, they have a topic. They've done greed. They've done apathy. And, and they've done some other things. And they just talk and look at it scripturally about how God speaks to those things. But that's just the beginning. They spend a week, and they pray about it. And they pray about what, how they need to live that out in their life. And then there's a week that, that Josh or some other leaders have actually structured a particular activity to fight against the opposite of, or to fight against things like greed and apathy and to apply the truth of God in their lives. And then the last week, what they do, it's, it's on them. In other words, there's no organized, organized thing as a group unless somebody in the group says, hey, let's go do this. But the leaders aren't a part of that. And so it's just been so cool. Uh, not only in my own kids' lives, but to watch these other students getting serious about doing God's Word. And so, one in other groups, I see that in some of your groups. 
as you go to children's, uh, uh, go over to the Ronald McDonald House and, and create uh, and make meals. I'm watching some of you do that as you make meals for the homeless shelter here in town or, or collecting food for the food, food bank. The point is, if you're not in a, in a one another group, what a great reason to get involved. If your one another group is not doing something like that, get on the floor. It's time. And if, if you're if the timing's not right for you to be in a one another group right now, then, then you take a step. Maybe call some others around you, but do something. Here it is, James 1.22. I believe it's on the screen. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. And I I jumped ahead and we pulled out a little bit, but you can read it all. The point is, is that God's Word should change what your life demonstrates it when you apply it. So there you go. I'm not expecting you and I'm not going to either do this perfectly. But what I want more than anything is for us to be seen because it's an effective part of building the kingdom and making disciples. It's to see the Word lived out in our lives. Please don't walk away today out of guilt because, oh, I just don't match up. Well, guess what? I don't either. That's not the point. The point is is that we have to continue to engage in God's Word and we have to apply it. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture. It's not on the screen. This is a passage that, um, back when I was working in Dayton years ago for a builder, I remember over lunchtime, and I don't know why I was memorizing this passage, but I was. Now, I have it written because if I forget it, it'll blow everything I'm trying to say right now. So, I have it written down. But I remember sitting in my car at lunch memorizing this verse. And I cannot tell you the number of times in my life where God has brought this verse to my mind. And it's, and it's in those times where I feel defeated and overwhelmed and thinking, I just can't do this. This Christian life is too hard. It takes too much. It's, it's, I don't have time for it. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him, who called us by His own glory and goodness. That's 2 Peter 1.3. Divine power is what is working in you as a Christ follower to actually apply the Word. John Ortberg says, The possibility of transformation is the essence of hope. The possibility of transformation is what gives us hope. Just think, that, that stuff in your life that you're not proud of, those things that you've been trying to work on and you, you just seem to struggle with every part of it, God has given you a power to overcome that through His Spirit. Again, if you're not a Christ follower, there's no chance. But as Christ followers, there's every opportunity in the world for us to take that step of obedience. And so here's what I want us to do as a church. I want us to start celebrating those things. I want us to start celebrating and talking, not just about buildings, but talking about how God is calling you and how you are taking steps of obedience. And I know the first thing you're thinking, well, Dan, that's boastful. I shouldn't be boastful. Boast in the Lord. 
and talk about how he has taken you and he's, he's empowered you to take a step, even ever so smallly. Do it and share it. And let's celebrate that. Let's be cheering one another on. The other night, about 40 ministry leaders from this church that are part of guest ministries team, children's ministry, youth ministry, men's, women's, worship all across the board. We met out in the gathering for our first quarter ministry leadership training. And we spent some time looking at God's definition of leadership. And, and then at the end of that, Lou Driggs, as our director of equipping ministries, led us in a time of applying the word. And it was called Walk It Out. Take some time and, and, and write out the next step you can take. And I tell you, I am so excited about how God is doing that in leaders in this church. But I'm also excited about how I see it in people that may not be in ministry leadership positions. It's going to take us all, every single one of us, to carry out the mission. So continue to pray for your leaders, but also pray for one another. And let's take these steps. Because the blessings that are there, the effectiveness that we will see, the joy that, God, that we will see in our lives and God will give us will be so abundant. And I can't wait. Let's pray. Father, as we take a bit of time here just to worship you, God, let this be just the start of us taking a truthful look at our lives. It start with just some time on our knees in prayer, God. Lord, this isn't about earning, your, earning a way to heaven. Jesus, you already did that. You paid it for us. This is about that abundant life that you promised. This is about becoming more like Christ so that we can witness to those who need you just as we need you. Father, I pray that you would take this church, this body of believers, and God, I pray that we would become doers of the word so that we could celebrate who you are in our lives. Father, help us to be specific in that. Help us not to just talk a generality, but to be specific in our lives and our commitment to you. And Father, I can't wait to celebrate so thrilled to see what's happening now, and I can't wait to celebrate how you will work in us and through us. So, Father, take us. We're ready to get on the floor. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.